Roger's Science of Unitary Human Beings. Quote, promote human betterment wherever people are, on planet Earth or in outer space. Again, quote, to promote human betterment wherever people are, on planet Earth or in outer space. This is the clip I'm going to have to put at the beginning of this video. Welcome to the Clinical Appraisal Podcast. My name is Ian Lane, and on this show, we discuss the science and theory of nursing. I'm a critical care nurse and PhD student in nursing science focused on measurement and methodology. Importantly, nothing I say constitutes nursing advice. This is education only. And if you want to get in touch with me, please email me at clinicalappraisal at gmail.com. If you want to donate to the show, links are in the description. And otherwise, like, comment, subscribe, and share the show if you enjoyed this episode. Nurse theorists often talk about conceptual models. But what on earth is a conceptual model? First, let's think about what a model is. What's a model airplane? It's a smaller, simplified derivative of what we think of the larger object to be, in this case, an airplane, a model car, same thing. A conceptual model is a little bit different in some ways, at least seemingly on the surface, because the idea of a concept invokes something abstract or at least more abstract than an airplane. And essentially, a conceptual model is a simplified version of something about reality that which we want to represent. And in my world, in the quantitative methodological space, a statistical model is an example of a simplified model to represent reality. In the psychological space, for example, a conceptual model might be something, and this very easily could be quantitative, could be something like a structural equation model or a confirmatory factor analysis of, I don't know, clinical expertise, or pick any abstract construct you'd be interested in. Pick, who knows, hope, kindness, um, love, <laughs> happiness, things that you can't directly observably measure. You have to measure via inference through other manifest variables or factors. Those would be constructs. Those are abstract concepts that are not directly observable. A conceptual model is essentially a framework for understanding reality that is simplified in ideas or concepts that are arranged in a particular way such that they represent the reality that, that we are trying to access empirically and intellectually in such a way that that framework or theory, depending on how grand we're talking here, might be able to inform our understanding of reality. And in our case, as nurses, might be able to inform nursing practice, patient care, something like that. So a conceptual model is a simplified model of reality to approximate the truth. And essentially, that's a 
pretty good representation of what scientists are trying to do generally. The landscape of philosophy of science in as much as it relates to the problem of modeling reality is hairy and complex and very difficult to make sense of. And there are lots of ways in which this empiricist modeling of reality is flawed. But despite having some flaws and some faulty premises, it's been our most powerful and successful domain for doing science. And it is one that we pursue in nursing. Uh, The reason that I'm going on this kind of tirade about conceptual models, aside from the fact that I'm particularly interested in formulating conceptual models that map onto real clinical nursing practice, is that I have a paper to go over with you today by Jacqueline Fawcett, who I think most would regard perhaps rightly, as a living legend in nursing science. Jackie is now in her 90s. I think she is 91. I might be wrong about that. I had her on the podcast last year, and I have great respect for Jackie's tenacity and perseverance in the space of nursing science and what she calls nursology, which is what the rest of us call nursing, as a discipline. So this paper is published in Nursing Science Quarterly in 2017. This is Essays in Nursing Science, her thoughts about the nursing conceptual models and the, quote, medical model. Again, this is by Dr. Jacqueline Fawcett. She has been a pioneer for nursing research and nursing theory-guided research in particular to underpin nursing practice. Uh, I think she's been... I think that there are few people who are alive today that can say that there are even amongst some of the deceased legends in nursing few have done as much as Dr. Fawcett has done to really pursue a a robust theory guided nursing paradigm and you can listen to my podcast interview with Jackie. Uh, I forget which episode it is, but um, it begins by Dr. Jacqueline Fawcett on Nursology, I think is the title. Despite having had her on, and despite my proclamations about how incredible she is and how laudable her work should be taken to be, and I think it is, I disagree with her quite strongly on many things. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't have interesting things to teach us and that we don't that we can't take important things away from her work. I think the reason I'm prefacing this so heavily is because I'm about to demolish this paper and I I actually loathe the way that this is written. But I have profound respect for Jackie Fawcett's work. And I think that there are some other papers of hers that I will get into at some point, which are more interesting in that they seek to explore Betty Newman systems theory as it relates to modern day or more contemporary clinical nursing practice, the Roy adaptation model. Those are two models I 
also think are quite useful for practicing nurses, uh, especially when compared to some of the other more absurd nursing models that exist that have virtually no bearing on nursing practice at all. But I'm going to start with this one because, as you can see on the screen with the title, Dr. Fawcett is trying to, or what she ends up doing in this paper, she thinks, is delineating explicit and implicit distinctions between the nursing model, or in this case models, which is one of the first issues I have with the paper, is the fact that she lays it out as though, even though she says nursing conceptual models, the argument seems to be delineating nursing, or nursology, in her words, from the medical model, which she claims doesn't exist. So there isn't one nursing model. There are a plethora of nursing models, 76, some might say, as Dr. Bernie Garrett has said on my podcast before recently. And um, it's interesting that she's trying to build this, I don't know, divide is a weird way of saying it. You can't really divide one thing that's not one thing from something else that doesn't actually exist. She's, you can see even right away from the title, this gets hairy. So let's just get into it, shall we? So the nursing conceptual models that she speaks of, we'll talk about. There are several of these examples that she gives. They are cherry-picked. I can't get a good sense of how she decided to include those models versus others, except to say that the models she chose are, hint, hint, the ones that don't suck. Um, so she actually picked some that are reasonable, or at least a few of them are reasonable in my estimation. Oh, you can believe whatever you want. You certainly don't have to believe what I believe. In fact, more power to you. Think for yourself, please. But the reality is that, like, the vast majority of these conceptual models are nonsense, and she selectively chose a few of them without providing us with her methodology of why she chose them, and then contrasts it with a model for medicine that she claims doesn't actually exist, which is very strange. And just like Carper doesn't define her terms. There are some really uh, highly regarded philosophers of nursing science. The ones that come to mind are people like Sally Thorne, uh, Gary Rolfe. Sally Thorne and Gary Rolfe, I'm kind of comparing them in my mind a little bit. They're, they have some similarities, Sally and Gary. But the similarity that I'm thinking of at the moment is that Sally Thorne and Gary Rolfe tend to be quite good at laying out the problem in their papers and particularly narrowing in on definitions that matter for the sake of their argument, to be able to make the argument they're trying to make. So I went through Dr. Carper's Ways of Knowing paper and essentially debunked that paper, at least from my position. And one of the things that, that I came away from that paper thinking to myself is that Dr. Carper didn't define 
largely any of her terms. And they weren't even her terms. They were someone else's terms that she plucked from their work, largely out of context, and provided us with no context. And Jackie adds a little bit of extra context here for us, but still does not really define her terms. Whereas somebody like Sally or somebody like Gary will define the problem, define their terms that they're using to attack or approach that problem, and then really lay out their arguments. Now, I tend to disagree with some of them, but that's because I tend to be skeptical of everybody. (laughs) And I don't really have an answer to a lot of these problems myself. Actually, let me rephrase. I don't have an answer to any of these problems myself. I guess what I'm thinking is I'm not sure there is an answer for most of these these problems that we face. Um, There are better and worse pragmatic solutions that are on a spectrum of like functionally helpful to mostly useless fluff or nonsense, I can provide pretty firm footing for my beliefs on that spectrum. But in terms of the like binary of true or false, I have no ideas myself. But what I can tell you is that I have profound respect for people that are willing and able to lay out the problem as they see it, and then adequately define their terms that they're going to be using for their own argumentation, and then argue for that point convincingly. Whether or not I agree with them doesn't so much matter. So like Dr. Fawcett, she's a living legend. She's brilliant. I've talked to her. She's amazing. And she's done an incredible amount of work. But the work she doesn't do in papers like this gets under my skin. (laughs) So what is she going to do in this paper? The point of this paper is... Jackie's attempt to just think out loud, it seems like, with the community who follow her work, which is like 12 of us, and discuss her thoughts about, as she says here at the top left, the distinctions between nursing and medicine. That's a pretty interesting premise for the plot line of her paper. And I mean, it I think accurately describes what she intended to do here. But she goes off on some tangents that are hard to follow, one of which is like the fact that medicine has no conceptual models or something. And another is that there's this weird like conflation between nursing knowledge as nursing knowledge from the discipline of nursing and how that's related to formal knowledge per se and how formal knowledge arrives in nursing through conceptual models or the employment of and development of conceptual models through nursing practice. Like the whole thing makes very little sense. And ultimately the conclusion has almost nothing to do with the point of the paper or any of the arguments she actually makes in these different subsections of the paper. So prefacing again with my utmost respect, all due respect for Dr. Fawcett, let's go through this 2017 paper. The first subsection of her paper is that nurseology is a discipline. I want to take a moment to say that the claim 
was made on my interview podcast with her and in some of her work that I've read in other places, that we should refer to nursing as nursology. And in other places, she's stated this explicitly because people understand ologies to be science. Therefore, we should use nursology because if people understand that nurses who do research on what would have been called nursing are nursologists, then they'll understand that we're scientists. But ignoring the problem of that fact that people who employ nursing models all the way down to the associate's degree level would be considered nursologists, and actually I know that Jackie would not have a problem with that, actually. That's her vision for the field, is to have everybody take on the name nursologists and identify as a nursologist at whatever level. My problem with that is the f- not that the the associate's degree trained nurse shouldn't consider themselves part of the field of nursology if we chose to call it that, so much as it is the fact that an ologist, like a biologist, is somebody with a master's or a PhD usually, who's doing research in their nuanced area of biology at the doctoral level, or at least at the graduate school level. And we cannot say that about most nurses, let alone all of them, at all of these various levels of training and education. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's sort of a side point. The bigger issue I have with that is that we talk of, or at least in this hypothetical, we talk of nursology nursology as though the ology makes it a science because biology has an ology and psychology has an ology. But people debate whether psychology is a real science, and they've been debating that for a hundred years. And Of course, people debate whether nursing is a science too, but that's sort of beside the point for now. Um, Sociology, possibly not a science, even according to Thomas Kuhn, the um, revolutionary philosopher of science that nursing is so fond of. And he himself did not believe that social science was actually science. And yet people in our discipline use his words to justify the idea that nursing is a science. Well, ignoring all of that, there are hardcore, more traditional physical sciences that don't have ology in the name, like genetics. Or like, and maybe you could say, well, genetics is a subdiscipline of biology. Fair enough. But what about chemistry? Physics. We don't call it physicology. We don't call it chemicology. We're talking about ologies as the sciences, but ologies are only the sciences that we in society now typically think of as being scientific fields. But the philosophy of science has only over the last, say, 50, 60, 70 years considered them scientific, I would I would say. And I would also say, more importantly, that you know to acknowledge that psychology is a science, but not to acknowledge that physics is a science is actually insane. Um, And I'm not suggesting that Jackie would think that. I'm simply saying that ology is a terrible delineating component of what makes science a science. Can you imagine if the entire field of philosophy of science was solved, the issue of the demarcation problem of what is science versus non-science or pseudoscience is like, does the name of the scientific discipline have ology in it? That's silly. 
Um, but that the, none of those things are actually arguments that she makes in this paper. The argument she makes in this paper, I'm going to lay out for you. I'm going to read this first. She says, ref, uh, I have begun to refer to our discipline as, quote, nursology rather than nursing. And this was from Fawcett et al. 2015. To the end that everyone, nurses, other healthcare team members, and the lay public begins to recognize and acknowledge nurses as members of a discipline. I'm going to put this in a syllogism. Remember, a syllogism is a logical statement, a series of logical statements that if the premises are true, or such that if the premises are true, the conclusion, I can't speak tonight, the conclusions must be true if they follow. So premise one, the term nursology refers to the discipline of nursing to which nurses are a member. We're following so far. That's the claim she's trying to make in the first part. In the second, premise two, other healthcare members and other healthcare team members and the lay public will recognize nursology as the term laid out in premise one. Okay. Conclusion, therefore, one ought to refer to nursing as nursology. So one of the things you have to do when you go through a syllogistic uh, argument like this is ask yourself whether or not each of the premises is true, and then ask whether the conclusion follows from the premises. Because if both premises are true and the conclusion follows from the premise, or the premises rather, then the conclusion also has to be true logically. This is a deductively valid syllogistic argument. If the premises are true and the conclusion follows. So does the conclusion follow? Well, let's see. The term nursology refers to the discipline of nursing. Mm, okay, well, that's what she wants to claim. That's fine. Other healthcare team members and the lay public will recognize this as the term for nursing. Why would we think that that's true? But despite that criticism for a moment, setting that aside, therefore, we ought to refer to nursing as nursology. That conclusion doesn't follow from those premises, even if premise two is true, and the term nursology was widely used for nursing as in premise one, that conclusion doesn't follow from both of those premises. It doesn't logically make sense that we would leap to that. Those premises are not a strong argument. They're not making a case for that conclusion. It's sort of a spurious, erroneous conclusion that means nothing in this context. This is a bad argument. It's a bad argument for lots of reasons, but it's primarily a bad argument because the second premise is absurd. Other healthcare team members and the lay public will recognize nursology as the term laid out for nursing. How? Nobody even knows that term. Millions of people know nursing. And like 17 of us know nursology. 97% of nurses are at the bedside. If I went to work tomorrow or Saturday and asked my colleagues, like, what is a nursologist? They'd be like, uh, I don't know, is that kind of like a neuroscientist or is that like a nurse who does some other kind of biology or something? Like, I'd have to describe to them and they'd be like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then most of them don't find it palatable. And I don't know what what structural or societal reasons we have for not finding that term palatable, but it doesn't matter because this premise is false <laughs> because people don't recognize the term nursology. Therefore, one ought to refer to the field of nursing as nursology. 
Okay, I'm getting off track and I'm leading you astray from the point of the paper, but I wanted to highlight this as an example of the way that the leaders in our field tend to think about the arguments they make. I have a great deal of respect for Jackie's mind and the work that she's done in our field, but some of the stuff that she's done because she... I think people are afraid to challenge her, which is funny because Jackie is open to challenge. Now, I don't know her that well personally, so it could be that interpersonally she's not as approachable and challengeable as she likes to think that she is. But she has written publicly and she's closed out this paper, in fact, with the fact that she would like people to challenge her because she even says in the end of this paper, in the conclusion, in like the final sentence, which I'll show you, I'm basically she's waiting for somebody to challenge her because so far nobody's bothered. But that doesn't mean that they won't or they didn't want to. They just don't. Uh, and I find that fascinating because I think she'd be open to it, at least intellectually. Let's move on. The central purpose of nursology is to generate test, disseminate, and apply discipline-specific knowledge used by nurses to address the health of human beings in the context of their environment. This is interesting. The purpose of nursing is to generate, test, disseminate, and apply knowledge specific to the discipline to address human health and environmental contexts. This is a head-scratcher um, for a variety of reasons. I don't understand what she means by the purpose of the central purpose of nursology. I noticed in that purpose statement, because it's not really a definition, it's a statement of purpose, because you can lay out the purpose of a field without defining the field. And interestingly, she lays out the purpose of nursing, but no definition of nursing in this paper, because nobody can land on a definition they agree on, they agree on. But then she lands on a definition for medicine, but doesn't lay out the purpose for medicine, which I find endlessly funny. Um, so I, I struggle with this central purpose because I noticed that despite having like this thing about human health in their contexts here, there's probably... 60% of nurse theorists talk about caring as a central focus of nursing. And there's nothing in this definition or this purpose statement, rather, that talks about caring. The application of discipline-specific knowledge might include caring, but it's not really implied necessarily because you can apply domain knowledge, discipline-specific knowledge, to a clinical context without empathy. And in that case, would you be doing nursing if part of the intrinsic definition of what nursing is, is caring? I mean, that's assuming we agree with that definition. I'm not sure yet. We haven't gotten there, so let's continue. But just keep that in the back of your mind, because I feel like, although there, she is citing the most famous paper on discipline-specific knowledge in nursing by Donaldson and Crawley in 1978, which I think I claimed the other day was like 1973. Anyway, 
it's in that ballpark. <laughs> and um, this Donaldson and Crawley paper is infamous in graduate nursing education circles because it helped to basically provide some um, focus and explicate a little bit better what we mean when we say that nursing is a discipline and a profession and why they're not the same thing or how discipline versus the vocation or practice of nursing are related but not the same exact thing. Like for years before that, this had been hotly debated. And this paper, Donaldson and Crawley, 1978, was said to have basically blew that argument out of the water, the argument that nursing is only a vocation, for example. We will talk about that paper at a different time. And I shouldn't make it out to seem like this particular paper is one of Jackie's most famous or most important papers, because that's not true. I just find this paper interesting because there are very specific claims about, and I'm interested in the problem of how to delineate nursing from medicine in other fields and vice versa. And I know that that sounds a little bit like nursing, how is it different from medicine, which implies that medicine is the you know, unified whole from which nursing emerged. Like a lot of people think that that's the case. Could very well be the other way around. Medicine could have come from nursing. Now, you might quibble with the historical facts around that, but I think it depends on how you define nursing. If you define nursing as mothering, well, then the caring and application of human caring, including bodily care, that mothers did for millennia prior to Hippocrates and the development of medicine at all, well, then in that case, the why do we care enough about people to want to try to heal them thing, it could be that that's the first kind of superordinate plane from which these other things come. All that that is sort of beside the point. What I'm trying to do here is essentially lay out, oh, what I was really trying to do for that particular moment was to say, this is not one of her most important papers. However, it's interesting to me because she tries to delineate nursing from medicine and vice versa, while also claiming that medicine is not a discipline, it's a trade, and that it doesn't actually exist as its own coherent set of ideas and theoretical frameworks in the in the form of a conceptual model, uh, which is a very interesting claim. So partly I'm interested in the claim that's implied by her or and in some ways made explicit in this paper. And if you haven't gotten the sense that this is true yet, I vehemently disagree with it. I just think that I'm a big proponent of identifying where nursing and nurses are unique. And I thought that this paper was going to do a better job of of discerning some of those things than it actually does. Um, and part of the reason that I think it's important to go through this paper is because this is one of the most influential nurse theorists that has ever lived. And she's probably published like 300 papers. Uh, so let's continue on. One of the sub subsections of the paper is entitled Nursology's Discipline-Specific Knowledge. 
She starts by saying formal knowledge in the form of conceptual models and theories is distinctive, if not unique, to each discipline. I think there are a number of problems with this statement alone. One of them is that I don't know how to justify the fact that the claim she's making here is that theories from a, of a specific discipline make the knowledge in that discipline unique. Do you see what I'm saying? If you're an engineer and you have developed a new model and you begin to delineate your own theory of how that model should be employed in the world and then you go out and test it and you find that it's you know to use a kind of a Popperian framework is not proven at least not yet wrong do you have domain specific knowledge that is unique to the discipline of engineering or have you merely differentially utilized knowledge from physics you know what i'm saying is it the conceptual model itself that is within the framework of that discipline that is offering unique insights into that discipline the same thing as formal knowledge and is that knowledge truly distinctive from other disciplines or is it knowledge that's predicated on other sciences can you have a conceptual model in nursing that relies on interpersonal anything that doesn't imply insights from the science of psychology assuming you believe that psychology is a science i think the answer to some of those things is not clear and it certainly isn't clearly a yes what i would say too is that i don't know that i believe that formal knowledge can be conflated with theories that are distinctive of a discipline or conceptual models which is part of the claim here that formal knowledge in the form of conceptual models and theories is distinctive what she's saying is that conceptual models are equivalent with formal knowledge but there are plenty of philosophers of science who would argue that no your conceptual model isn't knowledge because you might believe it and you might be justified in believing it but it might not be true and if you're popperian you might say and it can never be proven true you can only prove it false now there's a lot of issues with refutation and falsification but that's not really the point at all of this podcast or this paper the point of this paper is to go through her arguments and one of the things that she's trying to do here is essentially imply two things one that formal knowledge is akin to conceptual models so that when we say nursing is founded on conceptual models it implies that we have formal knowledge that's distinctive to our discipline and not contingent on other disciplines 
That's one way of thinking about it. The other way of thinking about it is the implication that medicine doesn't have formal knowledge because they don't have conceptual models. Moving on. Quote, A review of literature reveals many different conceptual models of nursology. By the way, I'm going to just read nursology out of respect because that's how she writes it. I don't like the term nursology, and I won't use it. However, she uses it here, and for the sake of respecting her work, I'm going to read it as she wrote it. Quote, A review of literature reveals many different conceptual models of nursology. Among the best known are Johnson's behavioral system model, King's conceptual system, Levine's conservation model, We'll come back to the conservation model. I will also, as an aside, because I want to be genuine, and I want to make sure you understand, if you're, if you're still watching at this point, that there are nursing conceptual models, I think, that are reliable and interesting and valid and worth taking into serious consideration. But that one is not one of them. Um, Continuing on, she says, Newman Systems Model, Orem's Self-Care Framework, Rogers' Science of Unitary Human Beings, and Roy's Adaptation Model. These conceptual models highlight the focus of nursology's distinctive knowledge, which guides research, practice, education, and administration of nursing services within the context of each conceptual model. One of the issues that I think of here is that Jackie is one of the only nurse scientists and theorists ever to actually explicate a nursing-based model in their scientific research. The research program that Jackie has either fostered or been a part of has always... Like, this is one thing I really respect about Jackie. She lives this truth. She actively engages with conceptual models in her scientific work. And when she publishes, she references conceptual models like the Newman Systems model and the Roy Adaptation model or different permutations thereof that are important for her own mid-range theories. And she's been doing that for years, for decades. She really lives this. But Jackie's one of the only people who lives that. I know a lot of nurse scientists, and I don't know almost any that do what Jackie has spent her career doing and what she's arguing for here. What she is saying here is that conceptual models highlight the focus of nursing and that nurses or nursologists in this case participate in the process of formalizing nursology and utilizing these conceptual models in their research and in their practice. And the reality is, just looking at the numbers, that's not true. They don't. Oh, and then the other thing I, I kind of wrote as a note for myself here, which I find a little bit um, intriguing and perhaps a little frustrating, is that, yeah, and this kind of says the same thing as the fact that Jackie's one of the few people who've done this, but if we were to try to figure out what proportion of nurses that are engaged in nursing research are actually even if it's that they're predicating their ideas on nursing conceptual models, but like suppose that they're actually intertwining their theories, these conceptual models into their research, and that it's not just so deeply implicit that they don't even have to label it as such. Like they're, they make a concrete statement in their research that we are using X framework 
you know, I think it would be a very tiny, tiny fraction of nurse scientists who actually do that. Now, if you were to ask me if I think they should do that, I think they should. I think they should make a good argument for why they're doing it and why it makes sense for their theory or how it, it informs their own derivative of a conceptual model. But let's continue on. The contents of Johnson's, King's, Levine's, Newman's, Oram's, Rogers, and Roy's conceptual models are consistent with the current National Institute of Nursing Research themes for future targeted basic, applied, and translational nursing research, symptom science, promoting personalized health strategies, wellness, promoting health and preventing illness, self-management, improving quality of life for individuals with chronic illness, and end-of-life and palliative care, the science of compassion. I have a few things to point out here. The first of which is that the science of compassion seems like it could have been at least a part of the purpose statement that she made earlier about nursing, which was not involved. So this seems oddly disconnected from the purpose of nursing that she laid out in her central purpose statement. And if you're going to make a statement like this is the central purpose, you might want to be consistent with what you're saying on the other end of the same page about, you know, what this is, you know, what we're trying to do, what the point is. So that's number one. Number two, all of these people, Johnson, King, Levine, Newman, Oram, Rogers, Roy, they're all very famous nurse uh, theorists who have built these time-invariant theories of nursing at the kind of like uh, meta-paradigm, I don't particularly like that term, but that kind of Cunian meta-paradigm sense in nursing. But they're all like in the same they're in the camp of conceptual model you know theorists in nursing that Jackie's been writing about for decades so like this feels like cherry picking your favorites doesn't it and i i think she's justified in a sense in doing this if she thinks these are exemplary and i think that's the charitable view right it's like she believes these to be like the most exemplary um depictions of what you know, of how this lays on to the NINR themes or whatever. But that's number three, is these NINR themes, they're gone. The NINR doesn't care about these themes anymore. Because after Dr. Zank came on and took over, and everything changed, the science of nursing, according to our own National Institute, is not about self-management or symptom science or any of these things anymore. It's about health equity. It's essentially, oops, it's essentially a another derivation of the National Institutes of Minority Health and Health Disparities. Like, there's no difference now between the NINR's mission and the NIMHD's mission. I mean, maybe there's a delineation or demarcation that one could point to, hypothetically, but most of what the NINR cares about is health disparities research and social determinants of health. Maybe that's the area you could hypothetically claim is like more nursing research related is like social determinants of health. But I, the thing that's tough about this is that 
social determinants are studied in sociology. They're studied in psychology. They're studied in medicine. They're studied in clinical psychology. They're studied in occupational therapy. They're studied in social work. They're studied in physical therapy. They're studied in public health in particular. They're studied in all sorts of different clinical and research disciplines. How that is nursing specific is lost on me. And that's a whole other argument that we could have. But whether or not the old versus the new NINR themes and, you know, strategies are are applicable to the definitional purpose statements in nursing sort of beyond the point and scope of this episode. But what I would say is the point of this episode is that neither of the new strategies health equity slash health disparities or and or social determinants of health map on to the point that she's making here in 2017. Now, in reality, Jackie is smart and she would take this and if she wrote this in 2023, which she very well could, she might well make this argument fit with the new strategies, which again feels a little bit like cherry picking. All of these conceptual models emphasize individual-centered nursing practice processes, including assessment, planning, intervention, and evaluation. This also highlights the fact that they don't map on anymore to the NINR research interests, which are about group-based distinctions in health and how we might overcome group differences and disparities in health. It's not individual-centered anymore. So... One of the claims that's implicit in this paper is that nursing is the science of compassion, that it's individual-centered, that it is applying and disseminating conceptual models of nursing specific to health of human beings in their context, yada yada. But then, like, you can see that it hasn't... Like, the field of nursing, or nursology in this sense has sort of blown with the winds and and politics of the times over time and because it has no firm grounding in a philosophy that is comprehensible it's able to be strewn about and this is a good example of that this is one of the most brilliant people in our discipline who's written hundreds of papers who nobody wants to say anything uh, against in terms of like challenging their work and And she's a powerful force to be reckoned with, let me tell you. But this, you can see the evidence that it doesn't make sense is self-evident by where the NINR stands right now with nursing. Now, you could say that maybe this was more truly representative of nursing than what NINR has going on now, which could be very well true. I don't know, nor do I care at the moment. That's not the point of this podcast. But what you can't say is that there is an accurate and acceptable overlap with what Jackie was saying in 2017, which was not that long ago in this paper, and the way that nursing has sort of um, continued to evolve over time since then, blowing in the winds of change and all. Continuing on, She then goes from nursing's domain-specific knowledge, discipline-specific knowledge, from our conceptual models to talk about how medicine is a trade. And here is where things get especially interesting. 
Quote, I have never been able to locate any obvious or explicit knowledge that is distinctly medical. Uh, I think in one sense, this is only interesting if you concede, as I mentioned here in my note, that she's conflating conceptual model and formal knowledge and that these are supposed to be equivalent. If formal knowledge is equivalent with conceptual models, then perhaps if medicine does not have conceptual models, then maybe they don't also have formal knowledge. All of that seems insane to say and falls apart, even as it comes out of my mouth. I also would say, I I like that she says that any obvious knowledge that is distinctly medical um, or explicit knowledge, I think the philosophy of medicine and the philosophy of health as related to medicine is convoluted and complex, and that whole world is poorly traversed in philosophy. There are some very famous papers on philosophy of medicine, a paper by, um, I think it's Borse, B-O-R-S-E, or B-O-O-R-S-E, a really famous paper on the philosophy of medicine, a very interesting paper, kind of challenging the idea that homeostasis is like a perfect, perfectly that it perfectly encapsulates like how to delineate disease from not disease. And like, there's all sorts of really interesting, interesting arguments to be made from like a realist perspective versus a constructivist perspective. And all those terms notwithstanding, the point is it's like a really complex space that is not, that nobody has settled on yet. However, there are people in the philosophy of medicine who've made arguments about the knowledge in the domain of medicine and what constitutes medical knowledge or uh, models of medicine. And it could just be that she didn't look in the right places. Or it could mean that it's poorly explicated, but that doesn't mean that it's that it doesn't exist. Those two things are not the same thing. She goes on to say, quote, a September 18, 2016 search of the Sinol complete database using the search term medical model yielded 816 publications An admittedly quick review of a random sample of the retrieved publications revealed that the term medical model was not defined, but rather used in a way suggesting that the reader would know what the term means. There are so many methodological problems with this. It is so flawed. I can't even, I, I can hardly express to you how much this hurts my heart. As I, as I think about how much respect I have for Jackie Fawcett. First of all, you, there are, like, it's well known that you, by 2017, it's well known that you should use more than one database to do your, your systematic search. One database is not acceptable. Now, the fact that she did a random sampling of those uh, papers that she found, the 816, is itself interesting because she did the systematic search and then didn't go through all of the papers that she found in that 816 sample of publications and then did a random selection of those 816 and didn't find anything about the medical model. Like, if you are going to do a systematic search of a database, you should systematically go through the articles that seem to be about the thing that you're asking your question about. So what is that? 
And then second to that, you're supposed to use more than one database. And then you're not supposed to do a quick review. You're supposed to do a thorough review in order to truly understand it. So whatever evidence this is supposed to constitute, I it's lost on me. I, I, and it hurts my heart, I have to say. Um, and then it's interesting, too, to think about the fact that people assume that they know what the term medical model means. And I, just as I, and I'm defending Jackie here with this, because in the same way that I criticized Jackie for not defining her terms, the fact that people don't think they have to define their terms on the medical side, also not okay. If you're going to use the term medical model, you have to define what you mean when you say medical model. I believe her when she says that a a random selection of however many, 12, I don't know, she doesn't really say, um, sample of those 816 publications, the fact that they didn't define it doesn't really surprise me because a lot of people in this space don't bother to define their terms. But this is not an argument. This is the, the big point I'm trying to make. This is not an argument for why medicine doesn't have a medical model because it doesn't provide any proof that that's the case at all. The next paper she could have picked up might have defined it and given it a purpose statement the same way and talked about models that she's never seen. And suddenly she's got a whole different paper and it just blows this paper out of the water. And because it wasn't done systematically the way it, like the implication here is that she did a systematic search of an important database but she didn't do a systematic search. She did a quick review of a couple of papers from one database. And then that's one of the fundamental pillars of this paper that's used to maintain this claim that medicine's a trade and it, it doesn't have a model. And therefore, because it doesn't have a conceptual model, doesn't have formal knowledge and isn't a discipline. We're going to take a brief reprieve from the actual text to talk about table one. So let's think about table one for a second here. So in table one, uh, there is a description of several conceptual models on the left-hand side. If you can see my cursor on the YouTube version here, you can see Johnson's behavioral system model, King's model, Levine's, Newman's, Orem's, Rogers, and Roy's. She talks about in the text above. And on the right-hand side, there are goals of the paper itself, like or rather goals of those conceptual models. I want to just kind of highlight some of them. Um, One of the things I want you to ask yourself, and one of the things I asked myself as I read this is, are these actually domain specific? And as we go through them, we'll ask whether this seems to be very specific to the discipline of nursing per se, or whether it seems to arise out of knowledge from other more so-called foundational, maybe, disciplines. Uh, and the other thing is that this, these seven conceptual models feel, as I talked about earlier, like a pretty significant selection bias. This feels like she just cherry-picked some that she liked, that she thinks is reflective of nurseology. But these are not, they're not inherently similar. Some of them are obviously similar, 
but none of them are inherently obviously similar in such a way that they can all represent the exact same thing. What if these conceptual models are reflective of differentiable things? And by things, I, in this sense, I mean differentiable uh, fields of understanding. So let's talk about uh, Johnson's behavioral system model. The goal is to achieve behavioral system balance and dynamic stability. Okay? Of course, we don't, this is not a paper about these models. It's just giving the goal of those models out of context, but in the in the context of like these are nursological models. That's a weird word, but maybe she would uh, approve. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know what behavioral system balance and dynamic stability means, and I don't know that you know what it means either. But without a description of what exactly they mean by that, we're left to speculate, and so it's hard to say one way or the other what that actually is attempting to represent. But behavioral systems are usually represented by psychological science. Under King's conceptual system, quote, help individuals, families, groups, and communities attain, maintain, and restore health. Even if you ignore families, groups, communities, although, you know, public health in medicine, like preventive medicine, communities fit that bill. Families, there's a whole family medicine domain of medical care, but ignoring all that, let's say just individuals and attain, maintain, and restore health so they can function and blah, 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 right? How that's not medical is beyond me. Now, I'm not saying that it's not nursing or nursology, and I'm not saying that it is medicine. What I'm saying is, this is laid out in this table one as representative of what constitutes nursology knowledge, not medical knowledge. But how that isn't also medical knowledge escapes me. Uh, Levine's conservation model, promotion of wholeness for all people well or sick. I struggle with this model a lot because I'm very biased against it because it's terrible. But I think one of the implications in the promotion of wholeness is that the implication is that holism is discipline-specific nursing knowledge. Ignoring the fact that holism isn't nursing knowledge because holism isn't knowledge, it's a methodology or an approach to science in one sense anyway, in terms of the philosophy of science, it's an approach to thinking about what constitutes scientific inquiry and understanding how webs and theories of, uh, you know, webs and models weave them their way into different scientific theories and help to maintain their robustness against different arguments and um, whatever. I don't understand how that's constitutive of domain-specific or discipline-specific nursing knowledge. It feels like a weird conflation. Newman systems, quote, facilitate optimal wellness for the client through retention, attainment, or maintenance of client system stability. 
I don't know what client system stability means, but again, that's not the point. This paper is trying to make something, some other kind of argument. Orem self-care framework, quote, compensate for or overcome known or emerging health-derived or health-associated limitations for self-care or dependent care. Let's set aside the self-care dependent care thing for a moment, which you actually can't do with Orem self-care framework, but let's just set it aside for a moment. Some of that, some of the goal there to compensate for or overcome known or emerging health-derived or health-associated limitations what is a health-derived or health-associated limitation? I mean, clearly, I'm only allowed to speculate here because there's no definition, but let's just suppose that what we mean by that is a disturbance in our bodily function or physiology. Isn't that what disease is? So at least that portion of the goal of this nursing-specific framework implies disease. It at least implies an interaction and overlap with the field of medicine. So, and then of course, you know, self-care, the idea that it's not at all involved in medicine, the idea that these are completely categorically distinct is another discussion for another day. Roger's Science of Unitary Human Beings. Um, quote, promote human betterment wherever people are, on planet Earth or in outer space. Again, ready? Quote, to promote human betterment wherever people are, on planet Earth or in outer space. This is the clip I'm going to have to put at the beginning of this video. Uh, <laughs> Roy's adaptation model, quote, to promote adaptation in the four adaptive modes by assessing behavior and factors that influence adaptive abilities and by intervening to expand those abilities and to enhance environmental interactions. The idea that this is nursing-derived, discipline-specific domain knowledge, formal knowledge from conceptual models of nursing, and that it's not a very intelligent application of engineering processes to human health is its own interesting question one could ask about the Roy adaptation model. And then you'd be in a discussion altogether different from medicine versus nursing, which is nursing and medicine versus engineering which is also a very interesting discussion to think about because it takes you out of the turf war thing that happens in our field, in our disciplines, respective disciplines. I know I just assumed that medicine is a discipline there, but let's just stick with it for now um, because that is the default assumption, and I'm sure it's a default assumption for a reason. Uh, of course, that is an empirical question she's trying to answer here, but let's face it, this paper does not answer it. Um, Let's move on. She says, quote, I have begun to refer to medicine as a trade. And of course, she hasn't defined what she means by trade at all in this entire paper. So 
there's a subsection, a header that says medicine as a trade. And then she makes this statement, I have begun to refer to medicine as a trade. And then she makes a claim about the members of the trade of medicine here next, which I'll read in a second, all while never having to find what she meant by trade. So in the same way that earlier in the paper, she claims that people assume what they mean by medical model, but they don't make that definition explicit. She never made the definition of her, her idea of what trade means explicit. And we are supposed to just assume that we understand what she means when she says trade. But it's, you know, it's not obvious. Like, it cannot be said to be obvious. That's not, that's not fair or correct philosophically. And this is a philosophical paper that she's making here. She's trying to make theoretical and philosophical arguments that show some kind of a separation, delineation between medicine and nursing in terms of their disciplineness. She goes on to say, quote, members of the trade of medicine, typically called physicians, although they can be PAs, they can be other, other professionals too, but we think of medicine as being practiced by doctors, and by doctor we usually think physician, so fine, who, quote, apply the distinctive knowledge of the disciplines of anatomy, biochemistry, histology, pathology, and so on, with an emphasis on abnormalities. So what she's saying here, what I'm taking away from her here, is that medicine takes other scientific disciplines knowledge and applies it to a new set of questions about abnormalities in human health. Ignoring the fact that most of these conceptual models utilize psychological ideas and constructs to build their conceptual models. And we don't talk about, you know, nursing using psychological theories and exporting psychological theories to build its own domain-specific knowledge. And therefore, like, what she's doing here is she's leaving us to assume that what she means by trade is somebody who takes domain-specific knowledge from elsewhere and applies it to a problem that they're interested in, like a technician. You know, a technician, like a an auto mechanic for your car. Um, they might an automobile mechanic, let's say, they might use an understanding of the machinery from the f domains of physics and engineering and, and, you know, whatever, to then apply that knowledge to correct some problem with your engine. But the mechanic's just a technician. They're, they're doing some trade, some vocation, whatever. <clears throat> She's making the physician equivalent to a technician, hence trade, tradesman, or tradeswoman, and, and then assumes that we can contrast nurseology and nurses in some way because we have conceptual models. But she's conflating conceptual model with formal knowledge from, I don't know any uh, epistemologists I don't know a lot of epistemologists in general, but I don't know from reading epistemology whether most epistemologists would agree that conceptual model equals formal knowledge, first of all. And second of all, she's 
assuming that because we have conceptual models, that they're our own discipline-specific knowledge and not borrowed from other disciplines, there are papers that have been written by nurse theorists, not, although I actually think that Jackie has written a paper called Borrowed Theories, but there are nurse theorists who write papers called Borrowed Theories about how our own conceptual models come from other disciplines too, or at least are informed heavily by sociology, psychology, biology. So I fail to see how this actually differentiates medicine from nursing in any important way, other than to say that she thinks that physicians are technicians and that don't have domain-specific knowledge because they're applying knowledge from other disciplines. But in the same way that a nurse theorist would argue our conceptual models, sure, they're informed by other thinkers, by psychologists, for example, but then the way we apply them gives them a different standing. It elevates them to be something other than just repackaged. And I think that's been written in the nursing theoretical literature. Why they don't afford medicine the same courtesy is confusing and seems hypocritical. Because you could argue that medicine, and therefore physicians rather, will apply domain-specific knowledge from anatomy, biochemistry, yada, 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 to the abnormalities they deal with in the clinic or in the hospital or whatever from the pathologic standpoint, from applied human anatomic and, and histologic problems, etc., and that they're not then also gaining and elevating something unique and epiphenomenal from that understanding, which is now new knowledge in their own domain. I don't know the degree to which I buy that. And there's also another distinction to be made, which is that even if you grant that idea that either nursing or medicine will borrow from other disciplines and then epiphenomenally generate some new knowledge in their own discipline, that that makes it scientific is also a whole separate question. She continues on, quote, a definition of medicine, note that she's defining medicine but has never defined nursing, a definition of medicine is the, quote, act of maintenance of health and prevention and treatment of disease and illness. A definition of medical is pertaining to medicine or the study of the art and science of caring for those who are ill. There is so much to unpack here. I'm not going to spend too much more time doing this because this is already way too long of a podcast. What I will say briefly I thought that nurses cared for those who are ill. Now, that's not her definition. That is somebody else's definition. That's Veen's, 20, uh, Veen's 2009. Veen's 2009 is just the Cyclopedic Medical Dictionary, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Um, so, just kind of setting that aside for a second. A definition of medicine is the act of maintenance of health, prevention and treatment of disease and illness. So then she goes on to say, however, no explicit definition of the so-called medical model could be located, nor any explicit definition or description of the art and or the sciences of medicine be located. Again, ignoring the fact that just because she couldn't locate it doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't written about it in the other, you know, 800 papers she didn't read from that one CINAHL search she did. Um, Again... I'm kind of blown away by the fact that that's supposed to be a 
an important leg for this paper to stand on. Um, ignoring that, she is proactively defining medicine here, but then going on to say that we don't understand the model of what constitutes medicine. In this definition, isn't it implied that the model of medicine is to approach disease by trying to identify and treat it? That is the model. She then goes on to describe a little bit about what allopathic means in the context of contemporary Western medicine and how it's contrasted against something like homeopathy or homeopathic medicine. And the contrast is said to be the fact that allopathic medicine is real medicine, whereas homeopathy is not. And so allopathic is supposed to be like some helpful adjective to delineate you know, real medicine from fake medicine or something like that. How that's relevant to this paper is not quite clear. But it strikes me that the point that she's trying to make here is that because allopathic is used to differentiate medicine from homeopathy, that medicine itself doesn't have a medical model because the definition of what allopathic adds to medicine isn't clear or something like How this works into her arguments is very strange. So again, I'm going to take a moment to describe a bit of a logical fallacy in the form of a syllogy, of, of a syllogism. Premise one. To discern medicine from homeopathy, the term allopathy was tacked onto conventional Western medicine. Premise two, allopathy may not be the best adjective to describe a medical model of care. Conclusion, therefore, the medical model does not exist and medicine isn't even a discipline. We are supposed to take something from this paragraph, right? And it wouldn't be here if we weren't supposed to take something away from what she's trying to say. This might not fit what she's intending for us to take away from it, but it seems like a reasonable thing for us to assume that she's trying to say based on this. And if that's the case, this is the way in which the argument is made in my mind when I read her words. Continuing on, quote, the primary characteristic of the allopathic medical model is regarding human beings as objects made up of categorical systems. The patient-physician relationship is hierarchical, with the physician making decisions for the relatively passive patient. Has she met any patients? Human beings are said to adopt the sick role when confronted with illness or disease, which exempts them from taking any responsibility for causing the illness or disease, and from engaging in usual role responsibilities. There are so many ways in which this caricatured picture of human beings is so frustratingly inaccurate. The fact that this portrayal paints this picture, I'm like, okay, I fall ill, I become sick, and then I'm just, you know, doc, do with me what you will. I'm a sick person now. I don't have any autonomy, and I have no feelings at all or thoughts at all about what I want to do with my life. I have no goals anymore. Like, sure, I might be depressed. I might defer to the authority of the physician or the nurse or the caregiver. I might have a lack of information or knowledge. I might have a deficit of knowledge that I need to have addressed by a a professional nurse, for example. But as 
an autonomous, intelligent human being, the idea that I'm going to adopt the sick role only and just everything about my autonomy is given up to the, just given up in my deference to the authority of the physician is insane. And the idea that this even happens, have you witnessed interactions between patients and families and physicians in the last 40 years? Even when you were in the hospital back or wherever you worked clinically back in the day, was this actually something that you really saw? Or is this just a caricature that we are taught to think is real? Because this does not feel real. Patients do not act this way. Patients are not relatively passive. Some people can be some of the time. But this is a caricature of humanity, first of all. Which feels silly, since we are supposed to be the science of compassionate human caring. Also, human beings don't adopt the sick role. When they're sick, they just are, merely by the fact of happenstance or whatever contingent things promulgated that reality, are sick. They just happen to be sick. If you got hit by a car, you didn't adopt the sick role. You got hit by a car. This whole idea of adopting the sick role, there are elements of that which are important in that you can adopt, for example, uh an illness identity. And that's much more common in certain personality types or subtypes of personalities and in certain personality disorders than it is in just every human being because people are differentially identifiable in their personality characteristics. But but having an illness identity or a disability identity is not the same as having adopted the sick role. When you're sick, You're just sick. You didn't adopt the sickness. You fell prey to the sickness. And also how that's relevant to this picture at all is sort of up for grabs because the only thing I can make out in this that actually makes any sense in the context of this this paper is that um, the medical model regards human beings at, first of all, she also says there's no medical model, but then she goes on to make the claim that the allopathic medical model regards human beings as objects in a hierarchy, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Your whole point in this paper is to tell us that there is no such thing as a medical model, and then you go on to state that the medical model regards human beings as objects? So, okay. Uh, regards human beings as objects made up of categorical systems. What you mean by that is a human organism with organ systems that can have pathologic changes and go wrong and lead them on a path toward unwellness and death. Like, this kind of post-structural objects and categorical systems like is it the case that you that your cardiovascular system is categorical truly? Uh, no, obviously not. You know, your blood nourishes your heart, your heart pumps that blood out to other tissues, it nourishes those tissues, those tissues function in a way that's connected to the blood system, to the heart, because of that flow, because of that pumping process, 
there's an infinite array of different combinations of ways in which these different systems interact in intricate ways. But this intricate fashion of interactional um, mechanistic components of our physiology takes nothing away from the fact that we do have these larger organ systems that are uh, at least identifiable and in some cases can function kind of independently in some ways. Like you can take lungs out of a human being and keep them functioning. It's rare, but it's been published in case studies. It happens. You know, you can plant stem cells on a kind of functional scaffold and 3D print things that that work. And they can be viewed as kind of separable parts of the whole. That doesn't mean that the human being is separable into these parts and isn't a whole that is complex and unique. All that is just to say that just because medicine views these systems as kind of categories, loosely classified, and that we are systems as organisms, and that in her terminology, organism, as I would call it, is, is uh, she's going to use the term object, right? Because medicine views largely, not always, and increasingly less so as they adopt a, a more traditionally neurological view of patient care, to be frank, um, largely views reality as real, that there are real objects in the world. But the postmodern nursing view is that there are not actually objects. There's no real truth out there. There's just ideas born out in language. And you can see the language manipulation in papers like this. Moving on. <clears throat> Distinctions between nursology and medicine. Quote, some of the nursology conceptual models include content that explicitly distinguishes the discipline of nursology and the trade of medicine. Other conceptual models include content that reflects implicit distinctions between nursology and medicine. And most of our own distinctive knowledge was born out from other disciplines borrowed for our own conceptual models. Explicit distinctions. Quote, Johnson, 1980, articulated an explicit distinction between the view of human beings held by nurses and the view held by physicians. What happens below, and I've unquoted so I can talk a little bit, what happens below isn't so much that there's a nurse-physician distinction made as it is a categorical distinction that's kind of a pseudo-distinction between classes of scientific study. Quote, she pointed out, in this case, Johnson, pointed out that nurses regard human beings as behavioral systems, whereas physicians view human beings as biological systems. Two problems with this, at least, but let's go with the two that popped into my head right now. First of all, who has ever made the claim that nurses don't also view people as biological systems too? And I'm not suggesting that we only see them as biological systems, and you are suggesting that physicians only view people as biological systems. Even if the medical model views people as biological systems, your claim now is that physicians as people view human beings as biological systems only. That's insane. Let's take, as an example, psychiatrists. <laughs> psychiatrists view people as biologically functioning behavioral systems or behavioral 
organisms, behaviorally oriented and defined organisms, motivated organisms that have thoughts and feelings and actions, however you want to formulate what that means. Psychiatry is the study, the medical study of the mind, and it includes motivation, cognition, affect, and behavior. Psychiatrists are physicians that look at behavioral systems in human beings. And sure, it's biologically predicated, but not all of them. Not always. And not all nurses think this way, too. You're creating a false dichotomy, a binary, a categorical distinction that doesn't exist. Let's continue. Oh, also, point number two on this front is she pointed out the human's that nurses regard human beings as behavioral systems. Do you know who else views human beings as behavioral systems? Every other field of psychological study, like social work and marital and family therapy and clinical psychology and counseling psychology and you know mental health counseling and every other field of, of clinical mental health that exists. And that includes psychiatric nursing. And so my point is like, what exactly is so unique to nurses and nursing, or nursology in this case, about behavioral systems. Quote, Orem, 1985, explained that nurses focus on human beings' requirements for continuing therapeutic care. In particular, nurses' special concern is the individual's need for self-care action and the provision and management of it on a continuous basis in order to sustain life and health recover from disease or injury, and cope with their effects. Physicians, on the other hand, focus on human beings' life processes when those processes are disrupted by illness or injury. This is the second point in the paper that where she's trying to describe how medical models don't even exist and therefore medicine isn't a discipline, where she then talks explicitly about her own conception of what the medical model is. If the medical model doesn't exist, there's nothing to contrast. If it exists, she just laid it out. She refuted her own paper in her own paper. Physicians focus on human beings' life processes when those life processes are disrupted by illness or injury. I fail to see how that's not also something that nurses do. Nurses focus on human beings' requirements for continuing therapeutic care. No idea what she means by continuing therapeutic care. But then she goes on to say, in particular, <laughs> nurses' special concern is the individual's need for self-care action and the provision and management of it on a continuous basis in order to sustain life and health, recover from disease or injury, and cope with their effects. I suppose... The differentiating factor there is the self, the continuous self-care element of sustaining life and health. But the whole thing about sustaining life and health and recovering from disease and injury and coping with the effects of injury, at least some not insignificant proportion of that falls under the domain of the medical model she lays out about human life processes when they're disrupted by illness. That distinction that's purportedly there really doesn't seem to be there, to my mind. 
1970 explicitly distinguished nursology from medicine by noting that medicine focuses on biological systems and the person's disease, with the physician's goal being moving the patient along the continuum from illness to health. In contrast, nursology focuses on the person as a total being who responds to internal and external environmental stimuli. Being a biological system, being a cybernetic physiological system implies responding to internal and external environmental stimuli. How is that not just repurposing and repackaging psychophysiology and behavioral biology, which they're claiming medicine is, into what nursing is? There's no really well-delineated roadmap of definitions and, and purpose statements for any of these different things. And it's just taken as fact at face value that we should take this to be true. And I have a very great respect for Roy's work because I think she's done the most to influence conceptual models of nursing in a way that's meaningful. And Jackie has done a lot of that work herself to promote Roy's model in nursing science. Under implicit distinctions between nursology and medicine, she writes, Levine's 1966 concept of trophokinosis, which I absolutely despise, she didn't write that, I'm saying that, quote, reflects an implicit distinction between knowledge needed by nurses and knowledge needed by physicians. Citing the definition from the dictionary of diagnosis as knowledge of disease, Levine maintained that it is incorrect to use the term diagnosis as a synonym for the nurse's observations, judgments, problems, needs, or assessments about people's energy, structural integrity, personal integrity, and social integrity, which was what she meant by trophokinosis. First, the nurse's assessments about people's energy, structural integrity, personal integrity, or social integrity. Hmm. What does she mean by personal integrity? In psychology, personal integrity is, a, is an umbrella construct with multiple integrative other constructs, which are also themselves latent variables embedded within it. That's the same with social integrity. And I read that paper, her original paper on the conservation model of nursing, and she does not define these things, or she tries to, but she doesn't define them conceptually in a way that makes sense from the scientific lens, at least not from an empirical scientific lens, which one would take more seriously. But also this whole thing about knowing of disease and diagnosis and whether or not diagnosis is constitutive of nursing knowledge of a, nursing assessments or whatever, how that's related to the problem of distinguishing or delineating nursology from medicine escapes me. And see, this is the problem with nursing theorists, is they all think that they're so smart, they come up with these ridiculous theories based on postmodern, post-structural thought, and a kind of, you know, flowery language stolen from Martin Heidegger and others. And all of this, like, post-continental bullshit comes out and they 
then they promulgate these ideas which are ill-formed and ill-defined, and then they make nurses who study under them in undergrad programs and in grad programs feel inept, unqualified, and stupid. But the problem is, there is no reason that I should take this seriously, because there's no solid argumentation for these things born out of rational argumentation or rational thought. A lot of this stuff is just claims for the sake of claiming things that there's no difference between some of these things anyway. Like, take structural integrity as one example. She claims, Levine claims, that structural integrity is a part of the nursing assessment. What do you mean by structural? Do you mean physiological, physical, bodily structure? And what do you mean by integrity? Keeping it integrated? Preventing the disintegration of that structure? If structural integrity is the, the prevention of disintegration of the bodily structure, tell me that's not medicine. How is that different? Well, it's just that it's one part of what medicine does that's also integrated into what nursing does. So what you're saying is that we not only do something unique, we also do everything that medicine does, is what you're saying. No? Then what are you saying? Because is it really the, the, the case that us nursing students and us new nurses, and we're all just so stupid we can't keep up with your brilliant theories? Or is it that there's a problem with your theoretical thinking? Implicit distinctions applicable to nursology and medicine. Quote, Although Newman implicitly recognized distinctions in the focus and work of nurses and physicians, she and her colleagues explained that the Newman systems model is easily adapted by administrators for the management of healthcare services in all fields, including nursing, medicine, physical therapy, blah, 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 blah. Consequently, both practitioners and administrators from all healthcare fields can use the same frame of reference for their activities which strengthens the interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary communication. Point being here that one of the four most thinkers in conceptual models in nursing theory, Betty Newman, recognized that although there are distinctions which are implied, but not explicitly stated between nursing and medicine, or nursology in this case and medicine, she thinks that her model applies to any healthcare provider or administrator. How is that nursing-specific knowledge? Unless you're trying to make the case that anyone who does patient care is participating in the domain of nursing knowledge, which you could argue, but she's not arguing that here. Let's continue on with the conclusion. <laughs> conclusion. Quote, some nurses' allegiance to the nebulous medical model and the rejection of nursology knowledge, especially nursology's conceptual models, is a good example of what Chin, Peggy Chin, 2014 referred to as nursogeny. <laughs> she explained, I cannot, I just can't. Give me a sec. <clears throat> She explained that she coined the term nursogeny to name an underlying disdain and discounting of nursing 
oh, she didn't say nursology there, that is expressed in discussions and in actions every day that discount the value of nursing. So if you discount the value of nursing, you're a nursogenist. You see what they did there? Nursogeny like misogyny, like it's against women. So therefore, against nurses. If you don't agree that nursing knowledge is its own specific, unique domain of knowledge, formal knowledge, then you're a nursogenist and you go against nurses. That's crazy. Importantly, this conclusion has nothing to do with what the paper sought to do in the beginning of the paper. Nothing. It has nothing to do with delineating nursing from medicine. It has nothing to do with any of the arguments she's posed up until then. This paper is a series of disconnected arguments that are not really coherently describing the problem or defining the terms in the problem, and then concluding with something completely irrelevant about nursogeny? Give me a break. This whole paper was supposed to be a, about showing us how medicine is a trade and doesn't have domain-specific knowledge, but discipline-specific knowledge predicated on conceptual models of nursing flow from nursing models, nursing theories, and therefore we have formal knowledge and we are a discipline, whereas medicine is not. It's a trade. What even is this paper if this is the conclusion of this paper? But allow me to end on one positive note. She invites readers to, quote, contribute their thoughts about nursology as a discipline, medicine as a trade, and the distinctions between nursology and medicine. I should have highlighted the, the prior statement too, which is that I do not know whether readers agree with me or do not want to take the time to refute my position. Jackie has stated on my podcast that she is a Popperian. Popperians are interested in refutation. She, I don't know what she's like in her personal life or whether people who know her intimately would agree with this, but from the scientific person that I've known, come to know a little bit, she invites refutation and challenge. Nobody challenges her. Consider this my refutation.